Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers with Aleph ISD. Uh, we've got a treat for you guys today on today's episode. We have Martellus Bennett. Uh, Martellus is a Aleph graduate. Uh, his brother, uh, Michael, and his younger sister. Uh, his dad was a board member for a while, and his mom is currently an employee at Holub Middle School. So, Martellus, uh, thank you for coming in and joining us and just having a conversation about your 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 experiences in Aleph and then kind of what you've done in the last what, 14, 15, 16 years? I know it's been so long. I'm so old now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're all getting old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been about 14 years now. Well, thank you. Again, yeah. thank you for being here. And and tell us, just since while we're here, why, why are you down here right now? What have you, what you got going on right now in your life? Right now, I'm, I just finished my third book. And um, so I'm just on a tour, spreading knowledge and planting seeds and watering dreams of the youth that all the kids that look like me. So I, my, my new, my newest book is out. It's called Dear Black Boy. And it's a letter, a letter of encouragement to kids to dream beyond sports, to become more and start looking at seeing more in themselves so that the world can see more in them too. So when you look at the black boy, especially coming from a community like A-Leaf, a lot of us felt like when people saw us, they just saw athletes. Yeah. They didn't really see entrepreneurs. They didn't really see, you know, the future leaders of the world. You know, they said they saw the future entertainers of the world, you know, and I think it's it's trying to change that mindset and how can we grow from there. Did you have this, think back to when you were in high school, were you thinking that you were looked at as an entertainer more so than a... I was definitely, I was never, I never felt like I was looked at as a full human being when I was in school. And a lot of it's because playing, playing sports in Texas and I got to the level where I was the number one player in the country, you know, yeah. the top player in the state in two sports. And it's hard to see something more than that because you just like, oh, he's going to yeah. go to the NBA. And then I was in the NBA draft in high school. So I thought everyone looked at me a little bit different than never saw the whole version of me. A lot of my teachers did yeah, because they were like, oh, yeah, he's I was an honor roll student. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're really good in class. I still remember, you know, Kimberly Schultz and um, Meredith Frost and um, – Everybody over there, they're my favorite teacher. I still talk to some of them to this day. So, um, and my English teacher was Mrs. Schultz, who first when I I've always been a writer, but been in her class, and I think we were reading the Canterbury Tales, and we watched a nice tale with Heath Ledger, and while we were in class, and I just remember I was like, man, the Chancellor is so cool, yeah, and just writing writing assignments in her class and stuff. So they always knew that you know I was like I could do more than sports, you know, and but they also supported me in sports as well so but it was kind of hard to feel like the world saw a full human being you know well you're you're almost uh you get typecast i mean you're we we still have that today the the emphasis that our society places on on athletes and and particularly those that were at the elite level like yourself uh, and michael your brother as, as well mm-hmm. i think that the your cause is I can't think of a more important cause right now. I've been the superintendent for eight years here. Yeah. And and I, and I I don't look like the students that that attend here. So I don't I don't have those experiences. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm under no illusion. Yes. What what I what I attempt to do is to put them in situations or put individuals in situations to show them and to provide leadership. And what you're doing by writing about it now using the platform as a former NFL football player and the the stature that, that you and, and, and your brother have, uh, I can't think of something more important. I, I credit you a lot for taking this on. I think, I, think it's, I think it's a big thing to recognize that these kids do go through different situations that, that you did in your life. Yep. 
but then recognize how can I provide the things to, like you said, introduce them to possibilities and try to create opportunities so that they can have an introduction to some of the things that you may have experienced or kids who have and grow up in different communities got a chance to experience. Because the scene is believing and then they don't really know all the opportunities out there because no one's ever presented every single thing. They know that sports are opportunity because that's presented at an early age. But like, you know, I come in here, there's robotics. Like, we didn't have that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right, it's exactly. like, what, robotics, <laughs> engineering, you know, graphic design? Like, mm-hmm. think about how many kids could discover what they love so so much earlier than like going through the phase of like, I'm gonna go to the NFL, I'm gonna go do this, and then NFL doesn't pan out, then it's like, oh, what else can I do? Who else am I? Because I feel like there's a form of a, of, there's a type of identity crisis that players go through because from a young age, I was known as the football player, you know, or the basketball player. So I start to take that on as my identity because everyone celebrates that and everybody wants to be celebrated. Every kid wants to be celebrated for what they're good at or what they're great at. And if people, and they only see people celebrating the athlete, then most of them put down what they're doing so that they could feel the same type of love in another area. I think that as you're experiencing what you're doing right now, writing books, how did that come about? Was it just something that you've always enjoyed doing? Is it? I mean, how did that work? I've always been more of a creative than an athlete my entire life. Like, I just love to compete. But my first book, when I wrote the first one, the Hey AJ series that I started a couple years ago, it really was about that I didn't see the representation that I wanted when I read a book that I wanted for my daughter. And as I started going through the books, if you go to a library right now, you're trying to find a book for a kid of color or a book with a kid of color as a protagonist. I mean, if you go in the store and buy every single one of them, you know what I'm saying? Or if you're trying to find them, it's like three out of every 100, you know. Not, ma- not many of them. So <laughs> you got to go through 100 books just to find three books that look like you, which mm-hmm. is, that's a needle in the haystack. Yep. yep. You know, like any other kid could just go on the shelf and be like, oh, boom, like this one. You could just, whatever title you, gra- you grab, you could relate to and I think there's a there's something being missed you know with the library and everyone's talking about diverse books but you can't really the goal is to have diverse libraries right because we won't get a couple of diverse books here and there Mm -hmm. but the libraries are still not diverse you know where where do you see the the black author I mean is there are they out there there's not as many as as you will as you will like even if you look at different things there's not as many that as there could be and I think that's because they don't get to see themselves if you if we're not reading then you can't be a writer without being a reader Mm-hmm. So like 76% of black men, uh, bo- black boys aren't reading up to grade level by the fourth grade. Right. Right. And if you're not reading, if you ain't falling in love with books at an early age, then it's hard to become a writer Yeah. because you don't like to read. So why would you want to write? You know, <laughs> so right. Right. I don't think you, I don't think that you could be a writer if you're not a reader. So and to fall in love with reading is to be able to relate to stories that you want to read. If you got to read about other kids going on these great adventures all the time, that could be discouraging. Like mm-hmm. you don't see yourself represented now because a book is not like a movie, you know, like you right. can watch a movie, but a book you have to sit down and be invested in the characters. Yep. And you only could invest in so many characters that don't look like you over time. Now, yep. you, there has to be a balance to it all. So how do you raise, you know, how do you raise Arthur's? Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. my ultimate goal, I'm not going to accomplish. I need the next generation of kids and the next generation kids. I just want to inspire them to become creatives so they could to become storytellers. And when I create if I could inspire storytellers who look like me, they'll write stories about people who look like us. I think that's when you grew. That's how you grow the, the writer. But right now it's like you have to fall in love with fiction. Yeah. Right, because when you fall in love with fiction, you read for fun. Yep. And I think, but if there's not a lot of wizards and you know we don't have like even like um, Harry Potter, there's not a lot of black wizards and <laughs> Harry Potter not, not in no major role at all. Or right. not not one black kid went to the chocolate factory. You know, yeah. you know, like it's just like they're we're not included in a lot of these fantastical stories and we don't get to experience it. And I think that's discouraging as a reader.
You just made a point that I've never thought about. I mean, in the education world, we talk about reading on grade level. It is the most critical factor of future success is making sure a little, it doesn't matter what skin color you are, but Mm -hmm. in particular, those who don't come with the types of backgrounds that many other children come from. If they're not reading on grade level by third or fourth grade, and I never really thought about if you're not reading, if you're not enjoying reading, then why in the world would you want to write? If, yeah, and, you, you can't do it, right? Right. Not only can you not do it, you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to become a writer when you read stories that inspire you. That's you right. like, I want to write something like that. Yeah. And the craziest thing is if there's 76% of boys, black boys are reading up to grade level, then when you fast forward, then like one out of three of those kids are most likely to drop out of school. And then 33% of those kids between the ages 20 and 34 are going to go to prison. Yep. Right. And the rate, the way that they, the private prison, the way the private prison works and when they want to decide, because they got like, they got to scale the business. So how do you grow the private prison? Because it's one of the biggest businesses in the, Mm -hmm. in this country. So how do they scale it? And how do you predict how many people are going to go to jail? Well, they look at how many kids are reading a grade level. Right. And that's how they know how many cells they need to build because those kids become part of the system. Uh, It's almost like a prospectus. Yes. And it's crazy. So it's like if we know it's almost like people know smoking cigarettes give you cancer, but everyone still smokes. <laughs> like we could see that not reading up to grade level. Yep. There's so many issues that come with it. Yep. But still, we don't like a lot of kids aren't doing it. I think it starts at home, too. Like if the parents aren't reading, mm-hmm. then the kid doesn't feel like reading is this thing. Like I can't keep telling you to read and you never see me pick up a book. Yep. Yep. Right. If I have a book and be like, oh, I just read this great book. You should read this one, too. Like I try to read with my daughter. I read with my daughter a little bit every single day because she loves to fall in world, love with worlds and stories. And she wants to tell stories of her own. And I think that's comes from our shared experience with books. Well, that's your that's the your daughter having that experience. Obviously, not every child has that. To your point, I think that's what we're attempting to try to do is to raise a generation of youth who become adults and who become parents who do exactly what you're doing. Yes. And and for me, I like when I do things, I think it. I connect to a lot of kids because when they see me, they see that I'm just like them. Mm-hmm. I dress like them. I talk like them. I move. I listen to the same music, like, so they could feel like they could relate with, to mm-hmm. me not only as an author but as a person. And then they're like, "Oh man, he looks like us. He dressed like us. Like, ah man, I could do what he's doing and mm-hmm. still be myself." Like, I think that's empowering as well. Now, yeah, and, and now you don't have to look a certain way, talk you, a certain way. You don't. <laughs> like, I was like, I get. You don't have to talk a certain way. You could be exactly you're who you are. Is it's all you need to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. don't have to change who you are. And and most of the kids are still becoming, right? Like they're going to grow. There's so much room for growth. And our job is to help them, is to water them so that they could grow as big and healthy as possible. And each kid needs to be watered differently. You know, like you have a kid right here who you'll see, like he just really loves art, you know. Mm -hmm. And part of watering him may just be giving him black paper and pencils. Like, hey, do do what you do. But then teaching him the business side of it too. Because a lot of times I feel like a lot of kids who are artists, there's a stigma around the creatives that it's hard to make money as a creative. No, it's not. The creative people are making the most money. Steve Jobs, <laughs> yeah. Disney, you know, like there's there's not. Everybody in Silicon Valley are creative. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they booming right now. That's you know? right. Elon That's Musk, right. like, you know, all these guys are, they're creatives. Like they make stuff. And to be a maker is a beautiful thing. So instead of like shunning this idea of like everyone's a struggling artist, it's like, no, you could be very successful as an artist and you will be super happy your message about whoever you are you can you can turn that in you can use whoever you are as the foundation and turn that into whatever you want to be yes right how how being an, an athlete and i want to talk just a second from mm-hmm. your from your perspective of being an elite athlete in the field of football how how did playing football 
and the experiences you had over what 12 13 years 11 12 years yeah 10 years in the NFL and college and in high school and all yeah, that yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah a lot of playing did you find yourself being yourself yeah um because the locker room has a culture to it yeah. right I've never felt like I fit into a locker room right in the locker room is when usually I felt the loneliest I always felt like I felt I belonged when I was on the field with the guys. Yeah. But once the game was over, it was just kind of like we had different perspectives on life, and that's fine, yeah. right? And I think from one thing about football that it taught me is how to work with people from all over, from different walks of life that done that has been to different places, experienced different things for one common goal, right? And I think there's there's something beautiful in that, like you know, to come together for a group of people that I didn't know, a group of men that, that yep. who knows what's going on in their lives right yep. now, but we come and it's like everybody wants to, on the same page and wants to do the same thing. And I think you learn teamwork, you learn how to work with others, you learn how to sacrifice for the betterment of the what we're, the ultimate goal is of everything we're doing. You learn, you know, discipline, mm-hmm. scheduling. There's just so many different things. That, and then I started learning the business side. Like, I listened to Bill Belichick talk about different things. And I'm like, oh, that's something I should add to my company. Yeah. You know, like, different in different leadership roles. Like, I've seen so many different coaches lead. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to lead like him. That was a terrible leader. You <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, Great yeah. guy, expiring, <laughs> but, like, a lot of guys. It's yeah. But then you see, like, the really good leaders. It's like So it's just a time to take, even, like, teammates. You just learn how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. And different situations. Also, you have to football for me is is crazy with mental health because you're always on the verge of being cut, right? And, yeah. you, get, and you go to work with it every single day. So you have to you learn how to perform no matter what is going on because you're a performance based business. Yep. And if you're not performing, then they get rid of you. You know. So and with NFL, I experienced every single level of the NFL from you know being hurt to going to IR to being the worst to being the best to being the Pro Bowl to being Super Bowl to never going to the playoffs for years back to <laughs> back, right. back to back to back right. you know and getting feeling like I got um, cheated by the training staff you know injuries <laughs> like every single thing you could do in the NFL I went through and on the other side I'm better for it because there's so much I experienced through life in the world that I looked at it as a business and I looked at all those as business experiences sometimes. A lot of the kids in A-Leaf are known for their athletics, mm-hmm. for their uh, everyone has been and continues to attempt to, to provide a balance, uh, a whole e- educational experience. This building you're in right now is, is an example of that. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it, and it, it is. It's a gorgeous building, but I tell people all the time, it's all it is. It's a gorgeous building mm-hmm. unless we do something really meaningful and really cool inside the building. What we're attempting to do, exactly what you're asking kids to do is to believe in themselves, find what you like. And, and and love it and, and do it. I think the I think what I've learned is that by following your dreams, you give other people permission to follow theirs, right? So the more people who fall into their dreams, the more the more everyone gets inspired to do what they're doing. You know, I think a lot of people give up on their dreams too early, too soon, and we stop dreaming. You know, and 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 I think that's very sad. You know, not to dream anymore or dream big ideas. These kids are at the verge of of doing something that. Who knows? They, these are the ones. These are the, they're gonna they're gonna shape the landscape of the future. You know, they're the landscapers of our tomorrows. Absolutely. So I want a beautiful yard. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want a beautiful yard to play oh in. And when I see and I, when I see these kids and they talk to me, if you listen, a lot of times they just want you to listen to them. And when you listen to them, they have the biggest aspirations, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. gonna tell you. And when they tell you, you have to find ways to help them find those things like whether it's a book like hey like a lot of, I always tell a lot of kids they love the video games and that's great right mm-hmm. but have you thought about building the video games 
Right. Right? You already have an interest in this. Now let's break it down, tear it apart. Like, this is how they built the Xbox. This is how they programmed this video game. These kids will probably be the best video game makers it, it, ever. Exactly. We, I, read, I read the elementary school kids all the time. Yeah. And one of the things I tell them, I said, listen, when I'm reading, close your eyes and pretend as I read about a character in your mind, everyone's going to picture that character. You're going to have your own. Your, yes. Right? You're gonna we all your, get mad when we go see the movie based on a book. Exactly. That's not what I thought they looked like. <laughs> exactly. No one's ever happy. No, exactly. No one ever says, like, that's exactly how I thought he was going to look. You know, everyone sees a different character. That's right. So I said, as you're, as you're listening to me read this book, there's a movie playing in your head, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you enjoy that, every book you read is like watching a movie. Yes. And you're the only person in the world that's watching that movie. Yes. And I feel like books are the best way to travel. Yeah. Right. If you can't, yeah. If you can't afford to get on a plane, you go to a book. You actually could implant yourself in these worlds that you're reading about. Like Hogwarts wasn't a real place, but so many people wanted to go. They had to build it. Yep. You know, like now there's a theme park <laughs> based on it. You know, so it's like, and when they could dream and they could see these places, then they could visualize places of their own. Mm-hmm. And that's when the real joy starts happening. When they start creating their own worlds for other people to visit. And I, I truly feel like every kid is a genius, right? But they lose their genius because they feel like people lose belief in what their genius is in. Yep. Right? And no no two people are alike, and that's the beauty in the world. And no two people have the same life experience. Right? We Everyone goes through certain situations, and we have different perspectives. So all these different perspectives are like, that's where the stories. Like, most of the stories, there's a dude named Jeffrey Campbell who um, has the, he's like this brilliant guy about the hero's myth. He used to teach at Sarah Lawrence. And, um has this thing like where all the stories are pretty much the same. He's called the hero with a thousand faces, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like the plots of stories or the way stories have been told over the years yep. have been the same. But what has not been the same in those stories been told is the dialogue. And the dialogue in those stories come from your shared experience through the world, how you see two people communicating. And that's what changes story from story. But the arc, you could be like, oh, this is just like whatever. Mm-hmm. But you fall in love with the character and the way the dialogue is, even though the face of that hero is pretty much the same as the last one. It's like the Marvel Universe. Yeah. All the movies are pretty much the same. But the dialogue of Deadpool is totally different from the dialogue of Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's two, and it's two different experiences. We like them both. Yeah. But, you know, it's just two different people that you might. I like Deadpool more than Captain because you can relate to him. So. Well, one of the. One of the- challenges the, the the education system has right now across the country is acknowledging but also identifying the different types of genius mm-hmm. you made a comment earlier that everyone's got everyone's a genius in some way mm-hmm. the education system doesn't recognize a lot of the geniuses that you and I are thinking of that, that we would probably talk about or some yes. kids T- talk a little bit about your experience I mean if you can go back to your high school days or did, did you feel the educational system helped you did you no, I thought that it was the teachers who broke off a little bit of yeah. what they were supposed to be doing that empowered me the most. Like, they saw something in me, so they were willing to break the curriculum that they <laughs> yeah. were given to be like, oh, you have something special. Why don't you try to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, give me a little bit more extra than they would give my peers because they see me have this interest in it, and yeah. I was really going for it and going for it. Right. But a lot of times I feel like a lot of teachers feel jaded by the system because it's, I feel like the system teaches – the school system, to me, at one point, felt like it was teaching the kids to become part of a system, a larger system. And I was kind of, I was at a school yesterday, and I was in the hallway, 
And I kind of got discouraged because there was like whistles being blown and there was like, you know, moving kids along. And it kind of felt like a prison to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, this kid, this school should be like super colorful, should be fun, kids should be high-fiving. They should love to be there. But if you, and I was thinking about the prison pipeline, and I was mm-hmm. just like, well, this is a lot like prison already. So there's already, like, if they do go to prison, it's, it's, it's familiar. Right. Yeah. Because it was a lot like the school system. So I think that for me, I I think there are a lot of teachers that do a great job. But I would like the overall school system, I think there's a lot of things to be that needs to be changed. If you think about it, the school system exactly the same for centuries. Mm-hmm. Right? The way we push kids along in classes, you know, third grade, fourth grade, mm-hmm. everything that we uh, do is still the same. I think there's a lot of things that need to be changed. I think there needs to be more group learning experiences where kids are working together to, so- to solve a go- solve a uh, problem. Yep. And everyone, and then you recognize how other people have something to offer. And then you hold people accountable too. Yep. Right? Because now you, you have to depend on this kid. And yep. it's just like the real world. Like if I'm working on a project, I can't do everything by myself. I had to depend on the people around me. Mm-hmm. And then you started being like, well, man, you're not really coming up to the, like, you're not really <laughs> holding up your end of the bargain, which right. means that someone else has to do more. Yep. Right. And then that that slows us down. So it's like, how do we get a place where kids get to work together? And I think this eliminate bullying a little bit, too, because now you get to know everyone. Yeah. Right. And you have to have experience with everyone. And now you have to count on those people as well. So and then I think those groups should switch week to week. Mm-hmm. Right, so like you're meeting both. somebody new all the time. Now you know the entire. Now you're building a community. Right, right, and you want to. You have, when you build a community, you feel supported. Right, and mm-hmm. you could see things like, oh, you know, know what, little Jimmy, I got this one. You know, let's do this, or you going through this, and you build more friendships, and you get to meet people that you didn't think were going to be your friends. I was lucky when I was in school. I was sort of like a bridge. Right, because I was a geek, but I was also just a geek that could dunk and do three sixties <laughs> and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. I have a friend that I went to school with, I still talk to her, she works for Nike now. She went to Ailey Taylor yeah. and her name is Lynn Kwan. And me and Lynn were friends in high school too, but it was just like I'm six seven and she's like five <laughs> and one, you right. know, and it's just like it's just weird to be walking through the hallway and seeing us together. Even to this day when I walk in like I have guys that come to L.A. I live in L.A. now. They'd be like, oh, yeah, me and the boys are going to go do this. And I'd be like, all right, me and my friends to drop by. And I come in, they're just like, <laughs> like, who are these people? And, I, and once they meet those people, though, they'd be like, man, such and such was really cool. Like, yeah. it, man, how they doing? Like, they start to, like, I had Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall was one of my um, good friends for the league. And he yeah. always be asking me, like, man, all these people around you are so cool. He came to my house for my birthday. I had like a birthday brunch and my wife was cooking and everything and everyone came to our house and Brandon was in town so he came by and after he left he was like it's like man that was really special I've been around that many different minds yeah in the room because in the locker room we get a lot of the same yeah. points of view you know yeah, yeah. but at that dinner table at my house he's just like there's he's an athlete but he's like he's building companies and things like mm-hmm. that you have R&B singers you have actors you have movie directors you have all these different people, and it's just kind of like, boom, like, this is what the world's supposed to be like. This yeah. is how dinner should always be. The conversations are fulfilling, and there's they're like... Rich. They're a lot richer. They're mm-hmm. richer. Like, I could talk to people all day. Like, you try to talk to... I try to talk to my friends who just are just athletes, and they just want to play football or... Yeah. And just kind of waste a day away. Like, I can't talk to him for long. You know, like, I was yeah. like, they, I'm like, all right. Like, <laughs> it's interesting because as we were, as I was sitting there thinking about this podcast, just talking to you, I didn't want to talk about a football. I mean, I love football and I yeah. love football, but, but I, but I, I, I want to talk about, I want you to talk about things beyond football and things that, that not only are you doing right now, but the motivation behind what you're doing and the experiences you've had and, and, yeah. and how that can inspire a 14, 15, 16 year old kid listening to this from, from A Leaf ISD. What I want to do is I want to show them that they can, right? Yeah. And I don't want to tell them. 
I want to show them, right? So the way I think about things is I want to encourage kids to jump in all these different fields. Like I'm trying to blaze the trail for and pave the trail so that it's a little easier for them. Mm-hmm. And when I say that is like I, my ultimate goal at my company is, is escapism, right? Because I don't feel like kids of color get to experience escapism because there's just not enough of it created for them. The movies we get are our realities. You know, our, um, there's sports-based movies. There's, like, things that we experience every day. It's not like we're in outer space doing karate. Right. You know, it's like we don't right. get like that. We see Star Wars, and there may be one black person in Star you like, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> of course he's in this movie because he's in every, every movie. movie. <laughs> in every commercial. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but you're always happy when you see him. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, I feel like it's a Hollywood joke. He's my favorite actor, but I feel like it's a Hollywood joke. Like, let's have Samuel pop up right here. we <laughs> like, oh, Samuel just adds a little bit to the movie, yeah. you know? And, um. Um, Used to be Denzel Washington. Yeah, <laughs> Denzel, Denzel, you know, he carried more of the heavyweight too. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's been in more movies than Samuel, though. Uh, I well. looked at his IDMB, wherever it's called, and I was just like, 172 movies? Like, what? <laughs> but I read this article he had, and he was just talking. Everybody's like, why do you do so many movies? He's like, I just love acting. Right? He's like, it's not really about the check. Yeah, He's talking. like, I just like playing characters. This is what I love to do. And I just find people, I feel like people should find things that they love to do and do those all the time. So like with me, with escapism, I feel like it's important and reading fiction is important because when you read fiction, you get to visit other worlds. Mm -hmm. And when you visit other worlds, you realize that your world doesn't have to be the way that it is, right? It could be worse, Yeah. right? And if you don't get to travel outside of the, the world or travel the world, you see these things in person. And those things you leave, if you go visit another country, you come back change. Oh, yeah. Right. A lot of these kids won't get to visit another country. So if they do it through reading and things like that, then they get to see like, whoa, like things over here are worse or things over here are great. Like I could do this here. How can I make change? And they can see the and they start to see the world start to uh, inspire their perspective. So a lot of things I want to do, I want to create escapism for kids of color, like where it's comic books and um, just novels. And I'm a world builder. I want to build worlds for people to visit. How old is your daughter? She's five. She's your only child right now. Yes. So kindergarten? She's yeah, she's about to start about kindergarten, to start kindergarten after whenever summer comes. Yeah. So you're uh <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh, I'm I'm curious and it's going to be hard it's hard to predict this, but as she starts experiencing school, whatever that experience for her is, do you see yourself encouraging her to continue thinking differently, thinking, you know, because there's a balance between the the rigidness sometimes of school yeah. so, so that you survive the school experience, but also trying to get to what you're or what you're talking about. I never discourage questions, right? Like she, since she was like two, three, she started asking me questions. I try to help her find answers to it, right? And and for me, I think for that, it makes her find value that her questions are val are valid, yeah. right? No matter where it is. she's like, yeah. she asked me how uh, rainbows one time. She's like, how rainbows are made? And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, oh, it's just a unicorn peeing across the sky. <laughs> And she told the teacher that. She's like, rainbows are just unicorns peeing across the sky. And I was just like, I was like, oh, that's my water bowl moment. It was like, my mama told me. My mama told told me. me. (laughs) But then I had to go look it up because I didn't know the answer. Then it's like the fractures of light hitting the sun from raindrops. And it's just kind of like, oh, this is really detailed thing. But I had to go search for information. I thought the unicorn answer was better than the other one. It's a lot um, more entertaining. So my whole thing, I think that it's important that the the biggest teachers in my daughter's lives are us in the household. Yep. Well, we build the foundation and the school over there is just like, I want her to be able to go there and still have her own ideas, yep. right? And her ideas are just as valid as the ideas the teachers are sharing, right? And if she looks at it differently, it's okay to raise your hand and be like, 
I think this, you know what I'm saying, this is my philosophy. And I feel like the teachers should engage in that. They shouldn't discourage. They'd be like, oh, no, we have to go this way. You should go down that path, even if it ends back up getting to where you're supposed to be. Because now other kids feel like, oh, we could mm-hmm. kind of think for ourselves. And you could lead them instead of, like, teach them. I try to teach my daughter how to think, not what to think. A good, a good teacher does exactly what you're describing. Even if what the student says is off topic or off task, allow them to express themselves, talk about it, work it back into whatever you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But don't ever don't ever stifle a kid's creativity. Don't ever stifle a comment. And I think a lot of people don't know how to handle creativity. Yeah. Right? Well, a lot I, of people I take promise it, you they don't. They take they take it as like misbehaving yep. or, you know, it's not misbehaving, it's dreaming. Yeah. That's where the school system is supposed to be. This is where we're supposed to make our dreams come true. This is where I get the foundation of believing in my dreams. And if like, all my dreams are just to be, to go to class and get a job, it's just kind of like how most people I know are adults hate their jobs. Mm-hmm. You're right. And most people <laughs> yeah. who went to college to do a job, they took that job and then they quit for something that they, they love. Yeah, always work. Right? Like, yeah. it's like, I'd rather do this because it's more inspiring. And then I think a lot of times, it's like, we look at, like, you know, what we could get instead of what we could give. And I think what you could give the world is always going to make you happier than what you could get from the world. Because when you give the world, the world, the universe is going to give back to you. So I think it's more about giving than it is taking. And a lot of times we work to take things and add things to us. But then we realize those things don't really make us more than who we are really are. Then you start to strip those things away. Now you're right back at the core. I feel like every kid wants to be an adult, and every adult wants to be, be a kid. kid. <laughs> it's, it's a nasty trick. Life, life plays on us. And that's why I would say the creative adult is the child who survived. That's true. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor who's also in a rock band. Yeah. Right? You're not, you're not limited to one dream. You could accomplish multiple dreams in your life, and— you should always be dreaming bigger. Like, you should want to grow. Like, I think the idea of life is to grow. Like, you want in a relationship with your wife or whoever, your friends, you want to grow together. Because if you don't grow together, you grow apart. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about, like, the trunk of a tree. The trunk of the tree is the foundation. But the branches are all the different parts of us that we could go into. If a branch outgrows, grows faster than a trunk, then that branch is going to fall off that tree because mm-hmm. the trunk doesn't have enough support to handle the length of that, that branch, so it's going to end up breaking. But yep. if it grows together, then it's like the tree's going to be a perfectly beautiful tree. You have one of those giant red oaks, <laughs> you know, um, in California. Yeah. And, um, and they even cut tunnels in there. Those, But those come from root. Those are the roots, yeah. right? So exactly. I felt like, say, like a family tree, you know, right? We know the fruit that our tree bared, me and my brother. Well, we need to take our seeds and plant in a new soil. Yeah. Right and grow new trees so that our kids can have a different lives and start building a different legacy on the family name. Right, and that's fine. It might be on the same farm, you know. What I'm saying we might just oh the soil over here is a little bit better. Like <laughs> yeah. y'all been playing, y'all been playing apple trees on this side of the uh, farm for so long, but. This the fruit over here. You yeah. plant over here, it gets so much sweeter when you plant it in this. So I have no idea. It's a little, a little, you know, maybe because it's ten degrees cooler over here. You know that type of thing. Right. But right. And so, like when we, when I think about building or building up kids or building up people who are, when I look at, when I think about the future and what I want the future to to be. I don't think about me. I think about my daughter. So a lot of my work is so that my daughter doesn't have to live in the world the way that it is for me. So I like to work with the youth because selfishly, I'm 
by helping shape the the youth, I'm helping shape the better future for my daughter. Yep. Right? Because she's going to have to live in a world with these people yep. and these kids that are growing up today. These are going to be her best friends. These are going to be the people who are standing up and building these things. And I want her to be able to be in position to lead the kids herself and help change the world for her and her peers as well. And the only way I could really do that for her is to show her, like, oh, my dad went and tried. He did it. He went after mm-hmm. it. And I think the biggest thing is going for it. I'm much happier now as a creative than I ever was as as a professional athlete. I hear that a lot. Do you do you hear that from retired athletes? Some of them a lot. Some of them are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. Well, you they, had something to go to. Yeah, I think the plan, but I think it starts at a young age. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Like, what do you, where, where you want to be? You're not a football player. It's just what you do. That's a means Fo- to an end. Yeah, football is not a career. Yeah. You can't do it forever. Right. I heard the average career is three and a half years. The average lifespan is 75 years. Yeah, you're right. I want. I, I could talk to you all day about this because I, I find it so relevant in our population in this district. I mean, just, I was. I know because I'm here. Yeah, this I know. Is me. I am your population. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. And for you, and for you to both you and your brother, and in, in your mom and dad. We even talked about your mom and dad, but your mom and dad being so active and, and involved in the community, and your mom being an employee in the district for yeah. for that matter. Our kids have to have people like you to look to and listen to, and and, and as it relates to what we're doing right now, I hope they I hope they listen to it. And I hope they they hear it. I hope they do more than just listen. I hope they hear what you're saying. Yeah. There's been blueprints put forth. I mean, there's there's ways to get to the life you're talking about, mm-hmm. but they're hard. And I think it's hard because the blueprints aren't as, think about it as an old printer. For us, it's not really, like, you got some parts of it, but it's like, okay, where's the whole, where's the rest of this? Yeah, you know, where's yeah, the rest of the map? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why with the way we share our information on, we, like, for our company, I think people are inspired. Like, our products are just a, a part of the hustle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The hustle is what I want the kids to learn. Like, yeah, making a product is cool and it's going to be great, but here's how we, this is how we're doing it. And, you know, then this is the information I learned. Like, I want to share the information that I have. I want to be able to, if I open up doors, I want to be able to leave the doors open for the next generation behind me. I don't want to close the door behind me. I want to be like, oh, hey, welcome. You know what I'm saying? Come (laughs) Come on on in. in. Like, look at all of these things that you have, all these things that you could do, and you could do it. Mm -hmm. Someone who came from where you came from that went through the same things that you did. I had some of the same teachers, same principals, same. I walked on the same streets. I ate at the Timmy Chan's, you know. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm just like y'all. Like, I used to run around here playing basketball. Basketball at Amity Park, you know, yeah, like yeah. whatever, A. Leaf Taylor, Hollop, L. I've been everywhere in this in this community growing up. And me and my brother here, we, and I've seen a lot of guys who I felt were talented enough to make change and do different things, but they came down to decisions, right? I mean, I made a couple of different decisions. And I, some of them I look back on the same, the very moment I made that decision not to do something. I wonder if that's why my life went in the direction that it went in and theirs went another direction. So I think decision-making skills and deciding to be able to see the consequences of the decisions that I make to be able to think, the critical thinking skills is like another thing that a lot of kids need to be like, if I do this, then this may happen. There's yeah. a consequence for every action. Yes. And and, and that's a, a lifelong lesson. Yes. Before we wrap this up, I, I want to give you a chance if, if there's anything you haven't said. Uh, like I said, this, this whole episode was, I, I just wanted to let you talk about what you're, what's important to you right now and what you're attempting to do because the message is critical to our kids. Is there, if you had a group of Ailey Fiesti young black men in here right now, what would you, what would you tell them? Oh man, like the, the main thing I was telling them is like, you're important, right? Yep. The, the world needs you. Like they need yep. your ideas. They need your thoughts and your ideas and your thoughts matter, right? You're very important and you're going to be the ones that change the world if you work to change it. This is your world and what, what it becomes is what you make it. Pretty much all the possibilities are on the table, Right. You may have to be the first, 
because there are a lot of firsts. Like, it took us a long time to get a black president. Mm -hmm. But if that's what you really want to do, it can be done. Nothing is impossible for you. It's not about where you came from. It's about where you're going, right? And where you came from and where you come from does not limit the places that you can go. You can pretty much go anywhere and do anything that you want to do. You could become whoever you want to become. You know, just study, learn, and fall in love with something that makes you happy. And when you fall in love with that, work to become the best at that. The same way you work to become the best at your position, Mm -hmm. work to become the best at your craft and just kind of channel that energy right there. And then surround yourself with peers who want to grow with you, right? If someone's not going to build you up, then you don't have to be around them, right? Get around people that want to go in the same direction as you want to go. Because if you have a weight, it's harder to get there. If everyone is running, if everyone's pedaling the rowboat in the same direction, it moves a lot faster than it does if you have a couple guys going this way, (laughs) that way. It's like we're spinning in circles. So (laughs) I think surround yourself with people who want who dream the way that you want to dream because together you guys will go further than you could alone good advice good yeah, advice thanks. well i want to personally thank you uh and and, and not only just you but your family because y'all have done a lot of uh, you've given back to this community tremendously i always Thank always you. enjoyed when you guys played on I think it was the was it NBC when y'all would introduce yourself. And oh, Michael would be like, Ailey yeah. Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Most guys would say their car. I think Michael was the first one yeah. I ever heard say yeah, Ailey Michael Taylor. was one of the first ones to do the high school. Yeah, <laughs> then it, then they it got became, mad at him about that. But did he they really? He still does it. <laughs> yeah. I know it. He's proud of we're proud of where we come from. Well, and it and it shows. Yeah. It shows, and and it and and someone who wasn't from here, yes. who's trying to provide opportunities. It's it's uh, it's appreciated. Yeah, one time for the SWAT. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you. You guys have been listening to Martellus Bennett on Impact Ed. This is HD Chambers. Thank you and look forward to, to sharing our next episode with you. This has been an AMP production.